Well, let's move on then to our 10 o'clock conversation. And we're really talking about the ways in which uh, communities can be using the diversity of faiths, of religions, of beliefs uh, to build an interconnected society, to build interconnectedness. And I think to, to find that commonality uh, between each other and as, as, as people. Uh, Gassant Abada is manager and communications of, of media marketing and communications at the University of the Western Cape. He's been uh, writing on this issue. Uh, good morning to you and thank you so much for your time today. Thanks, thanks so much for the time and the opportunity. Um, it really is a lovely uh, Friday morning and, and peace and good Friday to, to all the listeners. Absolutely. Um, I, I'm interested to know, just before you, you began to talk about the way in which, uh, you know, these various beliefs have almost um, the, the, the time of, uh, as you put it, Ramadan, Lent, Easter, Ram, Ram Navami and Passover, the way in which these events have all coincided at the same time this year, that being the opportunity. What were you reflecting on more broadly uh, when you got to this point? So Cape Town in particular in South Africa has a very unique history or tradition of interface. Mm. And, you know, it started really in 2012, this movement, when um, the chief rabbi, the... um, the head of the Anglican Church and all the uh, Muslim religious leaders and other religious uh, leaders from from other faiths got together to condemn the level of corruption in this country. And for the first time, you know, faith organizations had a role to play in the struggle. But now in the new democracy, after they had given our new democracy a chance to kind of blossom, they were ready to say, we've had enough. We need to speak out against the ills in our society. And that kind of laid the platform. But then we have a very unique month this, this year in April, where, as you mentioned, Lent and Ramadan and Easter and Passover all coincide and give us a powerful moment to be in service of others. And that's what exactly what we're going to do this Sunday at an interface movement. Mm. We started something called Buddha under the bridge. Now, I, I, you need to give me an opportunity also to explain to the listeners. Oh, please do. <laughs> <laughs> so every year on the 15th of Ramadan, it marks the halfway stage of the fast. Mm. Now, the 15th isn't a religious time, but it's more of a cultural thing in Cape Town where traditionally you break your fast with a cup or a bowl of buba. Now, buba is a warm, milky drink, very fragrant. It has sago in the cardamom, cinnamon, it's delicious and vermicelli. And you consume it hot and it's a favorite in homes all over. Mm. And the tradition is that you share with your neighbors, whether they Christian, Hindu, Jewish, um, you send over a little portion so everybody can share it, you know. So this is so 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 so, so 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 effectively, what happens is that communities then are sharing buba effectively. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So, you, as you know, um, over the last few years, our city unfortunately has taken quite a hard line against the housing insecure, the homeless in our city. They've been finding homeless individuals and really trying to push them out of the the Cape Town um, CBD. You know. Central Business District. 
So we're going out there, and in a show of interfaith um, um, solidarity, we're going to recognize the homeless people. So we're giving them bubu, but we're also giving them akami, which is a traditional Cape Malay meaty and rice dish, and also um, the, the treats that you eat when you break your fast. We've got chocolates lined up, bouquets of flowers, blankets for all of our homeless people under the bridge in Greenpoint. Mm. And more than feeding them, we're saying to them, and we're asking people to come forward from Cape Town to say to them, spend an hour to getting to know a homeless person. Or a lot of them just want the acknowledgement. They want to be looked in the eye and say, and say, I see you, I recognize you, mm. you know, ask me what my name is. And that's what we're trying to do on Sunday, using the interface that you summed up so nicely in the inter, you know. And when it comes to bringing people together from multiple religions, right, Often, I think the emphasis is on the things that divide people of various religious beliefs. How do you, um, because it, how do you deal with that with that challenge, right? Because people fight about sometimes very minuscule things, like yes. when we get there, uh, you know, with many religious gatherings, there needs to be an opening, and um, often an opening in prayer, acknowledgement, whatever you want to call it. And people will literally cancel an event because they couldn't decide on who should be the person to go first. Yes. So this is a very unique thing in Cape Town where there's a lot of um, uh, uh, consideration given to these kind of things. And if you look at the city of Cape Town's Desmond Tutu Memorial Service, Mm. it's an interfaith ceremony. There were people from the uh, toy culture. There were people from uh, the Catholic Church, mm. from uh, um, the Krishna movement. Uh, um, the Jewish uh, rabbi was there, and so and so we kind of lived in and out of, our, of each other's homes. So if you think about District Six, right? Back in the day, and even the way I grew up in Mitchell's Plain, mm. once that call to prayer, the Muslim call to prayer was made at sunset, everybody, whether you're Muslim or not, knew it was time to go home or your mom would stand there with a slipper in her hand. <laughs> hit you if you didn't come home, you know? Mm. So mm. it was time to either pray if you were Muslim or it signaled supper time, time to have a bath, time to be ready for school the next day. And then Muslim kids would actually go to church on a Sunday, and Christian kids would, would then go to mosque on a Friday. So we learned about each other's cultures because we were united wow. in fighting something um, that tried to keep us apart. Mm. And our, our religion and our faith kind of was the glue that, that, that kept us all together. Because if you look at everything, Muslims also believe in Jesus, you know? They believe slightly different, differently, but there's more commonality in the beliefs than there are differences that keep us apart. So it's using our faith as a powerful tool to build social cohesion and to be the voices of reason, you know? You know, to say, yeah. To say, because you hope homeless, it doesn't make you less of a human being, you know, than, than, than you or I. 
Gassant, the, the reason I was getting excited when you uh, mentioned the Archer's funeral and, and memorial services because um, before we even began the conversation, as you were talking about how multiple faiths have been able to come together in Cape Town, that was the first image that popped up in my mind that yeah. you could it's have. Powerful, eh? <laughs> it, it is an incredibly powerful image because it not only speaks of um, who he was as, a, as an individual, but it speaks of the fact that we are connected and this idea and concept of love is so much bigger than what one individual says or, or believes in, that we are all bound you know, by this higher force of, of love, effectively. Yeah. And you know, like within my own family, um, my wife, my wife embraced Islam, mm. but we, we expose our kids to all the different cultures and traditions. So we have a tree after Easter. They know about what happens over Easter time. We visit our families, and 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 in turn, they come to our religious gatherings. You know, so it's this melting pot of all the good. You know, and. We really just celebrate each other's differences. And, mm. you know, it's a weird thing because you've heard the stories about how Cape Town has this label of being racist, and a lot of it is deserved, actually. But when you go into the communities and look at the fabric of the communities, people are actually, a lot of people want to work together, you know, to build the social cohesion. Mm. And mm. unfortunately, Political parties over the years have used our differences to build voting blocks. So you'll find that communities like Langa and Bontiago, while they are neighbors, separated by only one street, they're not talking to each other. You know, and political parties are very happy with that because they can now say, okay, I'm going to target Langa because those people look like me. Or I'm going to target Bontiago because that's the colored vote. And that's what I can go for. Instead of saying, hold on, let's build the social cohesion, you know? And whether it's religion that forges it, whether it's our circumstances or our beliefs or our love for our country, you know? That's what we need to keep working on. All right. So there's a lot of projects that we want to undertake as a, as a group of people. We're not a movement. We're not an organization. It's, mm. We're just active citizens, you know? Wow. And the next one we want to tackle is the trains getting public transport working in Africa. Mm. That's going to be a game changer. Mm. And, and, and it makes so much sense, again, for active citizens and also religious leaders to get involved because when you look at the constituencies that they represent, you know, it really makes up um, for the majority of people in this country. We're going to continue our conversation with Gassant Abida. Uh, he, of course, sharing his own uh, views in terms of how he believes that um, various religions can be coming together uh, to help respond to some of the challenges in society. So going beyond just, I am a Jew, I'm a Muslim, I'm a Christian, but saying, well, how can we all be working together uh, to give back to South Africa? The Talking Point with Kathy Motlatana, weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. 
We continue the conversation on the talking point on the line, Gassant Apada, who is a manager media marketing and communications at the University of the Western Cape. But uh, we're just sharing his reflections over this Easter period, you know, of how uh, different religious beliefs um, are, are, are coming to get different religions rather and uh, in the interfaith community is coming together to uh, assist and, and respond to some of the challenges that they're seeing in Cape Town and, you know, a journey that started uh, in 2012, as Kassant was describing. Let me go to Justice in KZN. Justice, good morning. Yes, uh, good morning, Katie. Yes. Yes, uh, I don't know whether maybe should I say it's a question or concern. Mm. Yes, 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 because uh, these social gatherings, I don't know what is the ultimate uh, intention at the end. Mm. Uh, seeing the fatal car injuries which had been reported before COVID-19 and post-COVID-19. Uh, uh, sorry, sorry, just seeing the what? Seeing the reported car incidences. Or car accidents. Okay, okay, car accidents. Yes. All right, okay. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. pre-COVID-19 uh, and post-COVID-19. Uh, mm. We've seen that it has drastically actually been reduced. Mm. And uh, which means uh, uh, less than 250 people, because currently we are trying that there are 250 people or more than 250 people that actually died to go to these uh, floods which are actually happened. But uh, on the same journey, we are actually organizing this social gathering of which they make a traffic commotion or traffic congestion. At the end of the day, people's lives are going to be lost. Statistically, we were not actually accepted, and the God had actually like, made it even. Uh, I mean, uh, uh, deliberately, that you should actually like make the people not to meet because they are not actually like meeting on genuine uh, uh, causes, but they are meeting for other genuine causes. And uh, that's the reason why it is actually like closing in their eyes now to see that these social gatherings are killing the people. That mm-hmm. killing, and it's actually put also to COVID 19. If you like commit that uh, COVID 19 just because you've been on, on that. Uh, for a general, because there are people there who are directly and directly actually benefiting. Mm-hmm. It may not just like maybe other people, otherwise they will be on that. We see the Bible saying, sweep, let's sweep from where we are before we can even consider sweeping elsewhere. Why are we not as well? If you want to build the nation, you cannot as well like claim to build the nation, having this money failed to build the individual member family, to become a family, family, society, society, and then all that will prosper to a nation. Not the angle which now we are currently actually taking. That's the reason why crime will continually rising just because we're not preaching from where we are. But it may not just, justice, there's different yeah. meaning that people attach to these gatherings that, that you're talking about. I'm assuming you're talking about, you know, the big gatherings that we traditionally see over a period like Easter, whether it's at churches, the various pilgrimages that, that people undertake. Am I correct? No, no, no. Okay, you are quite correct, but to a certain extent. If you see I'm now actually much concentrating on this mm. churching because this social gathering is very vulnerable. It will have actually maybe uh, effective and efficient uh, and it may become also relevant. Or if ever it was actually like practice at, 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 at the societal level in his case. But now we're talking about, uh, I mean, families which are not just like this, and yet we want to build a strong uh, society. Under which circumstances can we be in a position to build the strong society? Let me give my faith to even build the individual member of the family. We are going to somewhere 100 kilometers away, causing the 
traffic congestion and everything and people are live are usually like being lost and yet on the name that we are going to actually like a prison whatever possible we are going to pray and even the social gathering they come but, at maybe but at justice time. people travel long distances for all sorts of reasons people travel long long distances for events for festivals for holidays it's not just for churches uh, or, or for, for you know for 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 uh, religious purposes so uh, i don't think you're being fair uh, when you when you highlight you know the traveling for churches alone when we know that people travel for all sorts of things you see, I love it because it actually does indicate that at times we do, do actually like have time to actually analyze what is going on. But what is actually that is actually analyzing going on? You're not also analyzing that the church has got the accomplishment that is more than 80% of the church people who are actually like taking. And then, which means then, therefore, we must also be in a position to actually correct what. Not only to report. That's the reason why the, I mean the radio stations are trying to pass the, the test of actually informing. But the correction, that is what I'm actually interested in. That is mm. the information when it is actually being taken. Then therefore we should be in a position to make conclusions. That's the conclusion which I'm making. And And then what is it then therefore, which means which is not as well like being a, a cavity. Mm. And there are also other issues of it is not addressing. It is not uh, properly dealt with. Justice, yeah. yeah. Justice, yeah. I'm, I'm so sorry because the the connection to you is is not great. So I, I'm missing a really critical points that that you're trying to to raise with us today. And and unfortunately, you know, uh, we just can't engage it further. I know you are out in KZN, and and those lines, of course, are not uh, and have not been great this past week. I'm so sorry, Justice. We'll have to leave it there for now. But I think. To the to the extent that we did hear a part of of what you had said, then uh, it's okay for us to move on. Let me go to Soshanguve. Khaurelo, uh, good morning, Khaurelo. Good morning, Casey. How are you? I'm all right, Khaurelo. Um, well, thank you very much for taking my call. I'm a mm. first-time caller, but I've been always <laughs> welcome to the show. show. Welcome to the show, Khaurelo. Uh, mm. You know, today, Casey, you are taking one of uh, very critical issues that has been. Uh, in my spirit for the past few days. Mm. Remember, we were, we, we were having a very big rainfall over Gauteng and other countries, other provinces, whereby uh, on Monday, as the, the rain was decreasing, I was going to Gezina and I passed two homeless people. They are, their clothes were very, very wet. Mm. And when I uh, when I was, uh, when I passed them, the spirit of the lips said, "This is what I needed to do." When you came back, when when you, when you come back, please buy the, buy them something to eat, and I did it. But in my spirit now, it, it, it said to me that churches are not doing enough. Mm-hmm. Our churches are not doing enough, and we contributed a lot of money to, uh, uh, to the churches. And uh, the topic that I say today. I hope uh, at the government, some of the, 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 the people who are in the legislature that might be, be listening, so that I think it's time that the church must, must be regulated in a point where, uh, uh, based on their, their Bible, the Bible is commanding the churches to take care of the poor. But they're not, many churches are not doing that. Only few are doing that, and you see them doing that. But, you know, I think it's time that we are expecting too much from the government. But we are also part of the government. But if you're not doing anything and expecting ANC, you will end up seeing ANC as, 
has not been enough. But we also, the people who are also making money, the church is making too much money, but, but they are bringing less thinking to the community. Mm, mm, mm. Yeah, look. For the, for the, yeah. yeah, for the point where many churches, they, they are asking land to build the church to the community that they are not doing anything for them. So how do you, as a, as a pastor, you, you are asking for the land from the community, but you don't do anything to the community. How do the community give you the land to build the church? They're just coming there to say, you know, repent and be Christian, but at the end, nothing for the community. Yeah. That's my worry. I think it's time that the church should be, uh, there should be a, a law from the government based on the Bible that to the churches. Please, every church must have a charity. Every church must have a, 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 a place of shelter. Every church. Look, you know, Fongalo, when you say they must have a charity, churches in and of themselves are registered uh, mostly as NPOs, right? So they are non-profit yeah, organizations, yeah. and um, this is the pr- the primary role uh, uh, under which they exist, uh, even according to legislation. I think it's only once um, they are making a certain amount of money that that comes under consideration. But for the majority of churches, they're NGOs. And I think that what you've raised is is something that has, has long been contended with, you know, the effectiveness and the impact of, of churches in society. Yeah. All right. So, yeah. Yeah, it's not... Uh, even, even now, I'm, I'm even praying that I think I need to, to make a stand of, you know, uh, uh, having my own uh, 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 place of shelter instead of thinking of building a church. Mm. Because, like I can tell you, I've been a Christian for a long time to a point where every person, when, when I talk to him, said, you know what, you are, you are, you are, you are very in, in knowledge of the Bible. Why do they want to open the church? But now I think instead of opening a church to have perfect people, to perfect people, uh, I think I better have, you know, a house of, 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 of refuge to people. Because what I see outside there uh, is God is really watching. He's not happy. Well, Khawalo, if, if that's something that you believe is, is part of your purpose, mm. then you should absolutely go for it. Yeah, I really, really, I really, mm. uh, I'm, in, I'm in a process where I need to speak to some organization to see if I can just get a house and then begin to, you know, even now, I think I, I, from where I am now, if I don't have anything, but every month I think I'll, I'll be starting to just to share with any homeless person that I meet on the street, because like, uh, we cannot just uh, we, uh, there is this ideology of from other pastors when you ask and say please give me prayer to eat, they say you know uh, go and pray. But they are they are having money in their pockets. Mm. It's something very you know I don't know uh, the methodology of trying to ignore something that they should do instantly. They just say you know what go and pray. I will, okay. will pray for you if I say uh, I'm. I don't know if one could read it. That's say you know we will pray for you, but uh, uh, they go into their cars and they just let people. Khaogalo, let's leave it there. Khaogalo out in Soshanguve. Gassant, let me come to you. You know, I think that just listening to some of the callers we've had, there's no shortage of people who want to get involved and who want to contribute positively to the community. Yes, there isn't. But we must be also careful, uh, Ms. Cathy, that 
we don't outsource um, or we don't insource what the government is supposed to do. Mm. You know, the, the government has obligations um, um, to the people of South Africa. So it's very interesting to see the debate on social media when people say Dr. Impia Suleiman of Gift of the Giver should be the president. I'm sure he doesn't have any aspirations to be president of South Africa, but if you think about all the work that organization has done and is doing in KZN right now, um, we, we must be careful that we don't kind of outsource our own obligations as human beings um, to, to make a difference where we can, you know, and just wait for somebody else to do it. So whether you're organizing in the name of religion, interface or not, or as communities, or doing something as an individual. It's important also that um, we don't do it for the publicity, but we do it for the right reasons, you know, that we do it because we're able to help somebody else. So, so yeah, I mean, I think the first one is a really nice one because it aligns with people's common um, humanity and mm. the, the the need would give you a guide to how to help people, you know. Mm. Mm. And if there's an existing kind of relationship between the faith, then it makes it so much easier. We're not competing to see who can serve the most meals, but we are actually working together to help even more people. And I think uh, an organization like Gift to the Givers is a, a, a really a nice example because when there aren't disasters like COVID, and they busy every day doing relief work, if you drive down from Johannesburg to Cape Town, they're not just feeding people or clothing them or helping them with housing. They are also helping in areas where there's drought um, and arid conditions. They're installing um, water uh, devices where water can be extracted from the earth. Um, pumps and boils, and so you see the work all over the country, you know. So, so yeah, it's, it's important that we, we get behind, but that we also start mimicking this, you know, this kind of behavior, because it does make us more compassionate people okay. at the end of the day. Gassant, I've got one more caller on this issue, Hope in Johannesburg. Good morning, Hope. Hi, how are you, Katie? I'm well, thank you, Hope. Uh, I'm fine. Katie, I would like to comment, you know, the churches of today... They're not the same as they used to be. Like, I'm a Christian. I was baptized under Christian wood and everything. You know, if you go to your churches going for help, to, to ask for help, they don't help you. They tell you to come back and collect food in two weeks' time. Kathy, if I need a food in two weeks' time, would I not come to you in two weeks' time to ask for help? Because mm. churches are all about themselves and their own pockets and their own benefits. Churches are no longer what they used to be. The pastors don't care about anything else other than the offerings. And, 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 and what does that do for you as, as somebody who, like you said, has been baptized under uh, a particular faith? It breaks me. I don't even know anymore where who do I fall under. Do I fall under Christian wood or do I just be a human being? And just stay at home. Like, I haven't been to church in, like, maybe four to five years. Sure. And my pastor has never once born, even coming and asking what is wrong with me. Mm, mm, mm. I've had bad situations. My pastor has never cared about all of this. Okay. 
And I suppose that's what makes it worse, Faith, because, you know, you, you, you're you part of the system effectively so that you can have support through the journey of life, through the, the winds and the storms and the good times and the bad times. Uh, and once you feel like that the system or the structure is actually not serving you, it becomes a bit difficult. It is very difficult because, like, even during the time of COVID, have you ever, ever heard of any church helping anyone? But yet, the churches are always on radio complaining the pastors, why is government putting such strict rules on them? What have they done for us, what they want offerings from? Mm. Look, Faith, I think in fairness, there were churches that, you know, put up several relief um, uh, you know, that, that put together different relief responses, especially to communities under COVID. But I get the general sentiment uh, that you are that you are raising, and it's about how can you be part of a system that effectively is not connected to you and does not seem to care about you as an individual. That that, that I really really understand. My dear Kathy, you know, like right now, I am stuck with a disabled child, no? mm. and like my, therefore the poster away lost. Uh, like Kathy, it's been very tough for me. No? Mm. I've been to my church asking for help. My pastor just threw a two hundred at me. No? What do you mean he you threw understand? a two hundred at you? He just gave me a two hundred, and well, like he was out, Kathy. Like I'm telling you, what things have been so tough it's not, right now. Mm-hmm. I don't even have food because I had to pay rent. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, my landlord was gonna put me out, Kathy. So just imagine the money was supposed to take care of my daughter. She's on medication. She must go to hospital. I could, I could not fulfill those responsibilities, Kathy, because I don't have anywhere to go. I don't have family. I don't have nothing. So I don't even have food right now. She wears nappies. Kathy, she doesn't even have nappies. She's wearing a nappy towel. But yet, I'm uh, belonging to a church that can't even help me. Oh, hope. Sure. Where does one so like even Kathy, begin? So, like, Kathy, like, you're bringing up the topic about church and everything. Like, it breaks mm. my heart. Ne? And then I look at the situation and in, we have not had a different meal in how long. Mm. The medication, what they use, I can't even give my daughter because she cries from the pain. Of, but I, it causes constipation or, I don't know, it's giving her cramps or whatever, but even towards your food in her stomach. Oh, hope. Let me see. Let me see if we can't put you in touch um, with somebody that might be able to assist, at least in the meantime, with the very real needs um, that you have. And as far as you and, and your daughter are concerned, I'll just make sure that Kanya gets your number and will be able to get in touch with you. All right. I'm going to wrap up with Gassant after this. Let's take a quick break. We'll continue the conversation on the talking point. The Talking Point with Kathy Mosasana. Weekdays, 9 a.m. till midday. All right. So, yeah, look, um, just before we went to break, of course, we, we heard from Hope and, and her story and, and feeling disconnected from her church community in, in particular because of the way that she feels that as she has been treated and not being able to get access to help when she needs it most. Uh, Gasanta, suppose, you know, there, there's so many different things that we bring to the table, even when we're meeting under the umbrella umbrella of uh, interfaith communities. Yeah. How, how do we overcome again those 
multiple experiences and differences of, of, of experiences? You know, it's really sad to hear that call because, um, mm. you know, at times when we face with adversity, we need to find safe spaces at our mosques, at our churches, at our synagogues. You mm. know? So it's really sad to hear about Hope's experience. and But it's not a new story, you know. In fact, today is a big day in the Christian faith, Good Friday, and it's the story about Jesus being persecuted, you know. And, you know, if we live by Jesus Christ's example, it is one of challenging injustice and also uh, calling out where people are abusing their positions. Mm. And that's what he did, you know. Uh, um, and, and he serves as, as an example. So I'm not for a moment suggesting that Hope should challenge her church, but what I'm saying is part of being a just person is also challenging when we see injustice. And you can do that in a number of ways. You know, you can then try and serve on the committee of the church to effect change on the inside. Or you can leave the church in protest and join a different church. Well, that's not that easy, and I'm not suggesting for a moment it's that simple, but we must try and live our lives by the example that we set, you know, if we're religious people. And I think Jesus Christ, I don't know, is, is, I mean, arguably one of the finest examples for humankind to follow, you know, mm. in the way he lived his life and, and the sacrifices made. So, so yeah, and I, and, I, and I think, I mean, I'm speaking as a Muslim man, but I draw <laughs> the, common, the common good of the way uh, Jesus lived his life, you know, mm. and the example that he set. So, so they, it is difficult. I'm not speaking for organized religion at all, but I'm speaking to the people, the people of faith. How can I see change? I'm not saying you have to pray 10 times a day to God, although that's a nice thing to do, but acts of worship also involve helping other people, you know? And, and how can we do that in our, in our communities, in our own homes, and it doesn't even have to be a formalized church mm, sitting. Mm. It can be, the, the church can live in our hearts, you know? And the idea is that we create, I want to borrow that phrase, that overused phrase, new normal of what religion is. Because sometimes it can be a really personal thing. It doesn't mean you have to be in congregation, you know? It's all about your values and what you stand for and how you live your life. Yeah. So... So that's how we can overcome it in a modern setting, you know, because things have changed since the time of Jesus, since the, the time of Prophet Muhammad, peace be upon him, you know. We're living in a very different world, and we have to adapt. We now deal with issues like climate change, war, uh, pandemics, and we have to be modern. I mean, we can't go to church and hear somebody preaching about fire and brimstone, giving us 99 reasons why you're going to go to hell. The people coming to church, are you preaching to the converted, you know? They want to be there. They want to be inspired. So to the religious leaders out there, let's inspire people, Mm. you know, rather than scare them into a faith where we we don't encourage people to use their critical faculties and to think, you know, about their their fellow uh, humans on this planet.
And, and I think more more than anything, Gasant, and this is just uh, more broadly for for all religious leaders, is is to practice what people preach, um, yes. because that's really at the heart of. Of, of of the complaints and the issues that people have raised here today. I know a lot exactly. of them has have, have, have centered on the church and therefore mostly Christianity, but it really is about being able to, to live what you preach because when you create an expectation for one thing, but you deliver something completely different, um, yeah. That's where the problems begin. You know, that's where the problems begin. That's why faith talks about, you know, I've had a pastor, but uh, for five years I haven't gone to church. Not once has this person yeah. called me um, to to tell me, to, to check on me, to find out where are you. And I think that that's the, the experience of of so yeah. many people. Sure. All right. But like I mentioned earlier, I think the burden on organized religion is so much greater now because... There are failings in um, how the country is run, you know. Mm. And because of unemployment, we, we're dealing with a state where people are unemployed um, and they need resources. And so the burden on organized religion is so much greater. At the same time, though, remember I said earlier on, we mustn't outsource the obligations of the state to religion, you know. So I think holding people accountable like the government is also an act of worship, you know? Absolutely. It's, a, it's, it's something of social justice, you mm. know? So, so, yeah, and when you take people's ability to earn a living and to support their families, you also take away some of their dignity as well, you know, and their belief because they become disillusioned and all of that. So, yeah, I mean, on Sunday, we'll have an opportunity to try and restore a little bit of dignity and to recognize a very marginalized and vulnerable part of our society, you know. It's nothing more than that. We're not representing any particular religion or political movement or, or or anything like that. We just want to acknowledge, you know, a very vulnerable part of our society in a, in a, in a very special time of the year. Mm. All right. Gassant, we wish you all of the best um, just in the work you. that you guys are going to be doing. And we certainly hope that many more people in different parts of the country will take a leaf out of that book, you know, that when we yeah, are so. uh, having these different social and community outreach programs, it doesn't have to be just under one religious umbrella, but we can all come together and make an even bigger impact in our communities. All of the best for Sunday and, and have a good um, Easter weekend. All right. You too. Thank right. you so much. Gassant Abida, Manager of Media Marketing and Communications at the University of the Western Cape. Uh, you know, I, I think um, just hearing again uh, what Khaurelo was saying and, and, and Hope's own experience, I wonder what, how do you begin to restore hope in, in, in people that have completely lost hope in a, a system or in a, in a belief system that they have been raised in. And, and, you know, if religion becomes so important sometimes um, as, as, as a central point that, that holds people's lives together. So when Hope says that I can't access my pastor, I can't access 
you know, this help, this source, this guide that, 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 that I have relied on for my entire life that I have been socialized into, um, that in and of itself has its own ramifications, right? Because it, it means that you, you go through life sometimes feeling so alone. And there's so many people that I know who can relate uh, to what Hope was saying. And, and really, I hope that, you know, you find some comfort, Hope, even during this time of, 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 of the Easter weekend. And, and we'll certainly put you in touch with one or two organizations that might be able to assist in as far as the need uh, that you have for uh, your children and, and the need that you have in your family right now.